To another episode of the Hoop Talk podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is what is the best era in basketball? So, Jalen, what is the best era in basketball? Personally, I feel like the time where we saw the most skill development, including the ability to shoot three ball, playing the pick and roll style with a lot of the uh, zone defenses and things like that that got incorporated and the competitiveness. I have to say that it's the early 2000s. Early 2000s, I would say up until about 2005 or so, there was still hand checking in, in terms of defense, which, you know, made first team and second team all defensive teams seem a little bit more earned. Nowadays, it's kind of weird how they even assign them because Defensive metrics almost seem like they rely a lot more on like team play rather than even individual play nowadays. The 2000s, I mean, the early 2000s, we're talking about a crazy level of like influx of talent. I mean, obviously that 2003 draft with with LeBron, Bosh, Wade, that's obviously the catalyst of that, that time frame when we're talking about what would be the best draft from that draft class from that time frame but I just think the competitive competitiveness uh between the teams too I think it was really around like the 2010s when the whole east versus west discrepancy really started to like take form and it seemed like the east started really getting diluted a lot towards the 2010s after LeBron moved to Miami Heat my question to you about actually the eras is are the 60s and 70s even in this conversation? I don't think they really are in the conversation. I think the 60s and 70s developed some great stars. You can't really forget about Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I just don't think it's comparable, if you know what I mean. I just I think like we're in a totally different era right now where big men are basically required to shoot the three ball and they're not really doing as much post play. And a lot of the guards back then were just mainly ball distributors. I think they were really not fit to be like the Steph Curry's of today. I don't think they really would be explosive as a guy like Derrick Rose. I don't think I don't think that they really have that it factor that you're looking for in today's guards. I mean, I feel like you know, they could be flashy, like Pistol Pete Maravich was just a very flashy basketball player, but he was also like really one of the more underrated guards and kind of like an inspiration on what some of the best like passers in the league are today. I think if you think about it, like a lot of the people who played in the 60s and 70s were influencers to stars who played in the 80s and 90s. But in terms of like the generational gap, it's very wide. I think the big thing about it, too, is when you look back at the 60s and 70s, I mean, one of the bigger things we do have to take into account is just, uh, you know, the amount of teams, um, style of play, like you said before, I think is a lot different um, in terms of like that was back when 
the idea of having height being the influence on whether or not you kind of would be incorporated in basketball is one of those things where like if a six, seven dude walking to the grocery store, somebody would ask him, do you play basketball? And he could say no. And they might look at him like he's crazy. It's like, dude, that's, that's almost like, like exactly what you're supposed to do. Nowadays, the big guy is getting phased out. And again, I think this is the interesting part about the early 2000s specifically is because I feel like that's when we got that good dose of the dominant two-way guards, the scoring guards, the start to the stretch four and stretch big men with guys like Dirk Nowitzki, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan to a lesser degree in terms of um, the stretch part, but definitely his ability to shoot the ball. As much as I love the 90s, I feel like the part about that era has a lot more to do with the Jordan infatuation. And although I feel like there was a lot of um, competitive teams during that era, the fact that any Jordan team for the most part was dominating the era almost kind of dilutes just how much the rest of the other teams kind of impacted the game as a whole during that time. I feel like the 2000s was the time where, although I would say this is also where things slowly transitioned towards getting softer, it also took the molds between the old the old school back to the basket style play, especially um, early on, like I said, with some of the uh, original big men, of course, Shaq and stuff included, as he started to continue to, you know, transition from team to team and different things like that. But also on top of that, I feel like the biggest thing about the transition from, you know, maybe the 80s and 90s to the 2000s, I think the most impactful thing has to be the way the game is received. I would say that from a more commercial basis, this is when the game hit global for real on a on a wider scale than, again, the Jordan fatuation of, oh, I like basketball or oh I got caught on to basketball because I saw Jordan's commercial or I saw Jordan on Space Jam and I'm like okay that's that's what basketball is no this is the time where the this is the beginning of the transition to all players having a face all players representing themselves in a way all players being reputable in a way for themselves to the world do you think that when it comes to determining the best era of basketball, is it more about what the game does for us as fans or is it about the way the game is played on the court? I feel like it's both ways. Um, if you think about as a fan's perspective, I would have loved to relive this era. Unfortunately, I just got into basketball in around 2010, 2011. That specific era just kind of passed me by. But if I had to pick an era that I would like to relive in basketball history, it would have to be the 2000s. If I can make a case for what the 2000s have done, much like you said, it really wasn't dominated by the Jordan Bulls. Even though the era itself had Jordan, LeBron, and Kobe, the fact that like Jordan, LeBron, and Kobe are three basketball icons, this is, a, this is an era where me as the fan – would be so excited to see because you had a lot of great players who were in their primes. You talk about Kobe Bryant, Dirk Nowitzki, Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, Kevin Garnett, Yao Ming, Tracy McGrady, Vince Carter, and so on. And then you were able to see some like 90s icons sprinkled into the 2000s, like Michael Jordan, Sky Pippen, John Stockton, Carl Malone, Gary Payton, Shaquille O'Neal, Reggie Miller. And then you get to see some of the young up-and-comers like 
LeBron, Chris Paul, Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, James Harden, like that specific decade really kind of helps like elevate the stock of the NBA because I feel like they were able to develop a lot more stars. Like they had someone to carry the league when Jordan was done. They had somebody to carry the league when Kobe Bryant was done. They're going to have somebody to carry the league when LeBron is done. So I feel like in this era, there, there was a lot to appreciate with like most of the players. And I think the style and you said, and like you said, like the global impact in the two thousands, like you were getting a lot more international talent coming in over and basically trying to showcase their style. I think what was interesting also with the, um, with this, the two thousands was some of the exciting times and like the great moments that the two thousands had to offer. Like you had the 2003 all-star game, maybe the greatest all-star game ever. Kobe Bryant put up 81, which was the highest point total aside from Will Chamberlain's hundred point game. You had Allen Iverson with the iconic crossover on Teron Liu, the Pistons upsetting the Lakers, the we believe warriors team, like the rise of LeBron, and him becoming a superstar, mainly when he carried the 2007 Cavs to the finals. The, there was a basketball team in Seattle. Like, the Nets were in New Jersey. The Sacramento Kings were good for most of the year, or for most <laughs> of the decade. They're, the Kings were good for most of the decade. Then the Timberwolves made the Western Conference Finals in 2004. I think there's no doubt I could relive an era in the NBA. It would have to be the 2000s. My question to you is, what leaves the 2010s out of the conversation? I think the biggest thing about it right now is, especially through the time that we're living in right now, we're seeing that the 2010s is one of the decades that is kind of, although it's increased in market market value in terms of things like marketability, individual player ventures and things like that, the game itself, there's a, a skill enhancement, but it's also taken away a lot of the uh, – key factors that brought people into um, loving the game, especially older fans and things like that. I think the other thing about it is the fact that we have been through so much historically with basketball that I feel like we are starting to face that transition where the league may potentially need another change. I mean, in terms of formatting and stuff, we've never really seen one, but in terms of, rules and things we've seen a ton and I feel like to a certain extent it's made it so offense happy that the 120 point games is almost an understatement at this point in terms of you know what we would call a a shootout growing up we're talking about the 2000s so heavily especially the early 2000s we're talking about games where it was you know first to 100 was a bucket first to 100 meant that you know you were in pretty good shape come last four or five minutes in the fourth quarter, even if it was close, just kind of gave you that extra boost. Nowadays, I mean, teams are cracking 100 by the middle of the third quarter. It's almost kind of ridiculous. I think the other thing about it is um, the contracts for the 2010s era has set things up where I don't think that sometimes we get the best basketball out of teams. Um, there's a lot of Mozgov, Luol Deng, Chandler Parsons type deals out there still even floating around now with guys. Um, Solomon Hill, to a certain degree, 
is another guy who um, kind of got a large contract off of one decent year. Otto Porter got paid, paid by the Wizards a couple years ago, and it was all for having two back-to-back years where he shot over 45% from three. I mean, so you're telling me all I got to do is go to the G League, play pretty decent, get bought up, and then, you know, just barely miss threes, maybe not take a lot of shots, but just barely miss threes, and I might be able to get a max deal. It kind of makes it where the priority to have an all-around game almost isn't as emphasized. Yes, the all-around players are going to be the ones that are considered the superstars, the Giannis's and the Kawhi's and the LeBron's of the world. But we've, we're coming to learn that there's so much money in this game that just being a specialist can get you paid. And by being a specialist, it kind of changes the way things are viewed as a fan when you're pl- talking about team play and things like that. There's just so much more emphasis on having that superstar players. Like if you don't have them, your team is pretty much either out of the running or doesn't really have as great of a shot. And with 30 teams, it's pretty difficult to say that all 30 teams have a star quality player on the squad. I can't say that every team has had a star quality player on their, on their squad throughout every single era. But I will say that I felt like things have gotten a bit out of hand in terms of where the dynamic shifts of power go, especially with these, uh, these tandems and these trio linkups that have started to kind of like die down a little bit, but it's still very prevalent. I don't know, man. I think the biggest thing about the 2010s would just be the fact that it's not the game that we grew up on and that's funny coming from us. Like, you know, one of the first things that, you know, we have to even tell viewers is like, okay, we're a little biased towards the 2000s because, I mean, like we're both early 20-year-olds. Like, I mean, yeah, you picked up the game towards the 2011s, but it's like we know early 2000s basketball. I mean, you even if you didn't see it, you're aware of the certain guys who came from that time frame, the certain guys who had certain performances as you listed off a good handful of them. It's just like – it was a, it just, it, for some reason, it felt like within a 10 to 20 year span, it seemed like the game completely picked itself up and moved away and just turned into something completely different. I mean, do you have any thoughts on, you know, of your own in terms of like why the 2010s just, I don't know, might just not be doing it for us the way most would probably expect? I feel like the 2010s were almost like a falsehood of the 2000s. Here's what I mean by that. The 2010s had a lot of super teams. Miami's big three. The Celtics' big three. Golden State had the dynasty. San Antonio was lurking around. Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony in Oklahoma City that one year. I feel like it wasn't like competitive. I feel like there wasn't enough defense played in this era. I remember a lot of like, the low-scoring games. Like I remember the year after Chicago lost Michael Jordan – where Michael Jordan retired for the second time, there was a game where the Miami Heat came in and absolutely blew out Chicago. I think they had scored – Chicago may have only scored like 49 points in that game. I think it was was definitely the year after Jordan retired. But I think the the aspect of defense not being played as much and being like 120, 130-point games in some cases – 
I feel like it's almost unfair to watch considering like maybe, maybe it's just me, but like, I just love to see a good balance of offense and defense. But I just think that when you're looking at the 2010s, there's really not like a good mix, especially right now when people are just basically shooting three pointers from like everywhere, everywhere. Everywhere. And, And I think it's, it's basically like a testament. I think the only really like real positive is that we get to see like big men become more well-rounded in terms of their game. I remember when we were talking about um, underrated players and I mentioned Antoine Jameson and Richard Lewis, two big guys who could shoot the ball and create mismatches. And I feel like now that's basically a requirement of like every guard or every like big man. I feel like this is just a requirement of every big man. And I feel like it's not as natural to see a guy like Shaq out there on the floor in today's game. Don't get me wrong. I could see him out there playing against, I I could see him out there playing against like Anthony Davis, but I feel like it's not the same. I feel like we're not getting the same like basketball. And I think, I think a big thing to take away from this entire discussion is like your preference starts with what you've seen and your ideals on what you prefer to see in the game come from, how you feel about things like competitiveness I feel like because I feel like the league is you know had this weird up and down trend of how competitive things have been there's always been dynasties we've always had the Celtics teams we've always had the Lakers teams the Bulls San Antonio's won five championships this is not a league that's devoid of the dynastic team that dominates a good handful of the era and kind of makes you wonder like man they kind of look like a cheat code it's not necessarily you know that these super teams are bad for basketball anybody who believes that's the case has not really paid attention to the the flux of basketball history but I think the way the game has changed in terms of its competitiveness. I mean, 60s and 70s wise, I mean, we didn't even have any more than 15 teams. 80s and 90s wise, I would say that's kind of when things picked up a bit in terms of the competitiveness, the transitions. Of course, we still had Lakers, Celtics heavy, Pistons snuck in there a good handful. And then, of course, towards the 90s, that's when the Bulls rubbed their nose and things for the most part. The 2000s, I would say, was kind of one of the the weirder eras in terms of kind of spreading the wealth around. And then I felt like as soon as the 2010s hit, we didn't have as little amount of teams as maybe the 60s and 70s, but you could call who you felt like was going to win the championship before the year started as if you only had eight teams to choose from. It's like, it's like one of those things where I remember for about probably the whole three or four years, maybe five years straight, where I thought like we were coming out of the, the, you know, coming out of free agency and it was like Golden State's going to win it. But in how many, I remember talking to my mom, I had just got an internship writing about um, the NBA probably like a week before um, free agency had started. And like DeMarcus Cousins signed to Golden State and I went up to my mom and I'm just like sulking and all that. And I'm like, she's just like, Jay, what's the matter? I'm like, mom, They tried to make me quit my job before I even started. She was like, what are you talking about? I was like, I'm trying to write about the NBA and Golden State broke it again. She was like, what are you talking about? I was like, 
Mom, I was like, Mom, you remember that guy, Demarcus Cousins? The guy I told you about that was in Sacramento that punched that dude in the face? Because I showed her this video. All discretion. I showed her this video from, like, a while back when I was, like, showing her, like, NBA fight compilations. Not really important, but it, it helps with the story. So I go and tell her, like, you know, I'm like, Golden State broke the NBA again. They signed DeMarcus Cousins. I remember that whole year. It was like every time I got up and was like, I'm going to write an NBA article, I would like start and then I would be like, is this even important? Like, is it really, does it really matter? And I, I feel like that's how it's been most of the time. Like, I mean, if you think about it, we never even really got a break from like being able to call who was going to win the championship. Like, yeah, like San Antonio kind of messed stuff up here and there for like the Heat. But, like, between the Heat and Golden State, who else were you picking? I mean, San Antonio was, of course, definitely formidable, especially earlier in the, earlier in the 2000s, 2010s in terms of, like, competing against the Heat, playing against young squads like the Thunder, having really strong um, series against the uh, grit and grind Grizzlies, stuff like that. But, like we started every year calling who we thought was going to win, you know, practically before the draft. So I don't know. Competitiveness means a lot to who you choose to be a best era, but to each is their own. That's kind of how you have to look at it when you decide what type of style of basketball you like the most. Well, I thought this was a great discussion today with you, Jalen. I think that we were really able to explore like each of the different eras of basketball throughout all the decades from the sixties to present day on the next episode we're going to talk about what startup leagues mean for the sport of basketball